Due to the sensitive nature of today's material, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes graphic descriptions of animal killings, sexuality, and murder. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In 1974, convicted bank robber Albert Kenneth Bankston sat in his Kansas prison cell engrossed in a newspaper. He was reading about a gruesome sight on Highway 81. Bloodless and battered cows had been littering the interstate. After Bankston poured through the strange stories of the herd's missing organs, he grabbed a pen and paper and drafted a letter. He had critical information to share. He knew who was behind the massacres. Months later, guards led the handcuffed Bankston into an interrogation room. Now seated across from a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms agent, it began to sink in. What he was about to admit could get him killed. Still, Bankston wasn't going to back down. He told the official the cattle mutilations weren't just happenstance. They were the brainchild of the Sons of Satan, a cult of devil worshippers. The group had devised a calculated plan, one that required kidnapping and killing animals for ritual. But that wasn't all. The need for a larger sacrifice was approaching, and they were coming for children next. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our second episode on the wave of cattle mutilation sweeping the nation in the 1960s and 70s. Throughout the U.S., dozens of ranchers found their seemingly healthy cattle dead, void of their organs and drained of their blood. Last time, we heard how several farmers grappled with the possibility of covert cattle thieves and high-tech helicopters. We also met Deputy Sheriff Keith Wolverton as he hunted down aliens, cult members, and large hairy monsters in search of the truth. Finally, we followed an FBI agent's investigation of the events, but even he couldn't come up with a satisfying answer. This episode, we'll try to uncover who or what is really behind these bizarre mutilations. We'll see if these maimings could be the work of a satanic ritual, or if extraterrestrials are really using cattle as their own personal test subjects. Then, we'll determine whether a reptilian predator, known as the chupacabra, is stalking animals to satiate its desire for blood. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? 
You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Throughout the 1960s and 70s, farmlands across America were undergoing a crisis. In the dead of night, cows were being slaughtered. Their sex organs, eyes, ears, and tongues were removed without explanation. Often, the only thing left was a bone-dry corpse and a completely baffled rancher. Authorities tried to hunt down the culprits while another strange occurrence was just beginning to find its way into the American psyche, satanic panic. Devil-worshipping groups were believed to be popping up all over the nation, and conservative citizens were growing terrified of these communities, mainly because their beliefs required certain sacrifices to be made. But we don't mean giving up alcohol for Lent— We mean animal sacrifices. Which brings us to our first conspiracy theory. The mysterious cattle mutilations were the work of a satanic cult. In 1975, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, or ATF, assigned agent Donald Flickinger to examine cattle mutilations closer. Flickinger was a UFO buff who believed the phenomenon was tied to the paranormal. But an unusual tip led his theory in a whole other direction. Out of the blue, Flickinger was handed a letter originally written by an inmate at a Kansas penitentiary. His name was Albert Kenneth Bankston. The inmate said he had an explanation for the hundreds of cattle mutilations happening across the U.S., Supposedly, they were being perpetrated by satanic cult members. Up until that point, the ATF officers struggled to make any real connections between the slayings and UFO activity, so he was open-minded. While most federal agents wouldn't usually take advice from a convicted bank robber, Flickinger needed to hear more. There was a caveat, however. Bankston was incarcerated with people connected to these cults. If he ratted them out, he'd be in grave danger. He promised to tell Flickinger everything he knew as long as he was transferred out of the federal penitentiary and into a smaller jail. The request made sense to Flickinger. After pulling some strings, the transfer was granted. Now it was time to see if the trade was worth it. Shortly thereafter, Flickinger visited Bankston. Upon entering the interrogation room, the prisoner laid everything on the table. He claimed one particular cult was at the helm of the mutilations. They were called the Sons of Satan. 
Their goal was to plunge the world into darkness. Killing cattle was one of the first steps in making that happen. According to Bankston, the Texas-based group was primarily composed of drug dealers and criminals, but they also consisted of free-spirited teenagers. In fact, some chapters of this cult were recruiting from college campuses. The Sons of Satan was led by one man known only as Howard. His organization was allegedly funded by wealthy anonymous donors whose reach even extended into politics. With more than 600 members nationwide, the Sons of Satan had a real impact. Though Bankston himself wasn't a follower, he claimed to know former members. According to Bankston, the Sons of Satan were gearing up for a new era. They were hell-bent on bringing the devil back to Earth. But this upheaval wouldn't come automatically. The cult needed to perform sacrifices to usher in this apocalypse. Here's how Bankston said it worked. During a ritual, a person subdued a small animal, like a dog, cat, or rabbit, with PCP, a hallucinogenic street drug. They then sliced the animal open to harvest its blood. Seen as a symbol of sacred life force, the vital fluid served many uses. Some drank it to remain fortified, while others used it in initiation ceremonies. But blood wasn't the only part of the body used in their offerings. Cult members were also believed to remove the creature's organs to use in rituals. An animal's eyes were said to enhance a member's vision, while sex organs allegedly increased sexual prowess or fertility. The body parts also played a key role in wild orgies. Bankston suggested they'd since moved on to larger animals like cattle, After all, the bigger the sacrifice, the more powerful the ritual. Flickinger was skeptical, to say the least. The Sons of Satan sounded like they were straight out of a horror movie, not the subject of an ATF investigation. Plus, their members were incredibly difficult to research and even harder to find. But Flickinger didn't rule out the prospect, because the more he investigated these satanic groups, the more he realized this theory was valid. In 1966, musician and author Anton LaVey developed the Church of Satan after taking a deep interest in the supernatural. In a nutshell, the group was dedicated to finding man's true nature, supposedly a carnal beast. LaVey went on to write the Satanic Bible, The manifesto claimed humanity created gods because we couldn't control our own personal egos. Instead, it suggested humans placed themselves at the center of the universe. The Church of Satan didn't worship a literal Satan. Instead, he was more like a mythical villain, a symbol of rebellion and a reminder of man's animalistic side. LaVey recruited followers with his discussions on black magic, secular philosophy, and anti-Christian views. But allegedly, it soon evolved into something much darker. In the 1980s, unsubstantiated rumors swirled that the Church of Satan had used ceremonial rituals with costumes and other theatrics. While we don't know the details of those practices or the validity of the rumors, Perhaps they were inspired by stories of cults like the Sons of Satan. 
Bankston's story was certainly compelling, but Flickinger wanted to go to the source. So Bankston put him in touch with an ex-cult member named Dan Dugan. He was another inmate serving time in Texas. It's unclear how much contact Bankston and Dugan had at the time, considering they were held at different prisons. In fact, it's unclear how they knew each other in the first place, but Dugan confirmed everything Bankston said and more. He revealed the Sons of Satan targeted farmers directly, forcing them to believe they were at the whim of supernatural forces. This helped the cultists continue their work while deflecting suspicion. But that didn't explain the military-grade helicopters flying around. Surely, a religious group didn't have access to that kind of aircraft. But Dugan had an answer for that as well. The leader, Howard, was extremely well-connected. His friends were wealthy financiers who were happy to provide tranquilizer guns and other technology needed to pull off their rituals, including choppers. Supposedly, once Howard had access to a fleet, he recruited pilots to fly over inaccessible areas and drop the cultists over the cattle. But the cows were just the beginning. As Dugan explained to Flickinger, children were next. Dugan told Flickinger that in 1965, he and his fellow cult members encountered four teenage boys camping in Cozad, Nebraska. After the kids accidentally stumbled on the cult in action, the members shot them with tranquilizer guns. Supposedly, the darts were so potent, they killed the boys. The group used their bodies as a sacrifice to Satan. Then they stuffed the remains into burlap sacks and buried them in a shallow pit. If this was true, the sons of Satan had no moral quandaries about also killing people. Although this might have been part of Howard's plan, so enough chaos that society eventually collapsed and the earth would become hell itself. In the spring of 1975, just a few months after hearing these stories, Flickinger published his report. It connected the cattle mutilations to rituals performed by the satanic cults. At first, police departments embraced the report. The Sons of Satan seemed like a legitimate concern, one that could actually be dealt with. Flickinger was congratulated for a job well done, but the praise was short-lived. On May 31st, the ATF agent received some shocking news. Bankston had escaped his small Minnesota jail. The very next day, Dugan also broke out of prison. We don't know how they did it or if they were in cahoots, but the timing was too perfect to be coincidental. It seemed as if Flickinger had fallen for a hoax. Many felt the Sons of Satan had to be a fictional group Bankston conjured to get transferred to a lower security jail and he recruited the help of his friend Dugan with the promise of busting him out as well. After, Flickinger's reputation took a nosedive. Federal bureaus discredited his entire report, and the ATF tried to cover up the embarrassment. But this jailbreak doesn't mean satanic cults weren't involved. If you recall from Part 1, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police conducted their own investigations and also said the mutilations were the work of humans. 
Besides, they had so much detail on the Sons of Satan, maybe they didn't make it all up. And maybe Bankston and Dugan didn't have to make anything up. During that time, a popular radio host created a similar conspiracy theory. Police thought the prisoners likely heard his show and then passed it off as real. To make things more suspicious, the FBI couldn't verify Dugan's story about killing children in Nebraska. It seems more likely that Flickinger fell for the satanic panic about to sweep the nation. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most believable, I'm going to give this theory a 2. Considering the Mounties thought humans were involved, I think a cult connection is at least possible. If this Howard character is to be believed, it could also explain the helicopter sightings and the high-end technology used to perform these mutilations. But you're right, there were never any concrete eyewitness reports of a satanic cult performing rituals on cattle. I'm going to give this theory a three. The mutilations may not have been the work of the underworld, but they could have been the work of beings from another world entirely. Extraterrestrials who have an unhealthy obsession with our own species. Coming up, the government creates an alliance with extraterrestrials. You tell yourself it's only a movie. None of this could ever happen to you. You feel relieved until you discover what you're watching is based on actual events. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa and Greg from the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. In our Halloween special, Real Horror, we're spotlighting three of the most iconic horror films of all time and telling the terrifying true stories that inspired them. Recovering the real influences behind characters like Ghostface from the 90s mega-hit Scream, Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill from the Oscar-winning thriller The Silence of the Lambs, and Leatherface from the 70s cult classic The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Enjoy Real Horror, the serial killer's three-part Halloween special. Listen to all three episodes the final week of October, free and only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. When dismembered cows began appearing on American ranches in the 60s and 70s, farmers were more than just perplexed. And when helicopters flew into the mix, they put a new spin on everything. The unmarked choppers even confused local authorities. After considering cattle rustlers, government forces, and finally colts, Ranchers needed to know who was hovering above their farms, keeping them awake at night. Eventually, it dawned on some of them. Maybe these objects weren't helicopters at all. This leads us to conspiracy theory number two, that extraterrestrials were behind the mutilations. In 1994, Terry Sherman and his wife bought a 512-acre ranch located in northern Utah. Sherman envisioned a comfortable, quiet life, raising cattle with his spouse and children. But on their first day, he noticed a few unsettling details about the house. The previous owners left large deadbolts on all the doors, and he found thick, solid chains staked behind the home, almost as if something was once restrained. 
At first, he imagined the previous owners trying to protect the property from coyotes or mountain lions. But in 1995, Sherman got his first clue. One evening, the rancher left the farmhouse to check on his cattle. As he walked through the field with his dogs, he discovered three circular areas of flattened grass. The indentations were unlike anything he'd seen before. They were so wide, it looked like someone had removed a gigantic tree. But then it got creepier. Sherman heard voices speaking an unknown language nearby. When he tried to pinpoint the noise, he realized it was coming from above. He looked up into the night sky and spotted a 40-foot-long aircraft with glowing white lights and a beaming orange doorway. After a few seconds, the object flew off, but it wasn't his last sighting. On another night, Sherman wandered into the field to check on his pregnant cattle. That's when he saw two rays of light shooting across the pasture near the herd. His rational brain assumed they were just the headlights of an RV. But as he got closer, the beam slowly ascended to the air before vanishing into the sky. This time, however, the lights left a devastating mark. His pregnant cow had been decimated. Its blood was sucked from its body, and there was a gaping hole where its left eye used to be. Even stranger, Sherman noticed a weird chemical smell that he couldn't explain. The bizarre occurrences didn't end there. One winter, Sherman's pasture was blanketed by soft snow. Out doing his usual work, he trekked through the dusting, coming upon a set of cow prints. He followed the tracks toward a tree until they suddenly stopped. He looked around, unsure as to how the trail could just disappear. And yet the prince and the cow were nowhere to be found. When he looked up, there was a large hole in the leaves above him. It was as if something had lifted the animal and carried it straight through the branches. It didn't take long for Sherman to realize the mysterious lights and cattle mutilations had to be connected. Whenever they appeared, members of his herd turned up dead in the most mysterious of ways. Sherman felt confident he was dealing with a UFO. The idea seemed absurd, but to Sherman, it was the only explanation. An ordinary helicopter couldn't have siphoned the cattle from the ground. The tree would have been in the way. A few days later, this idea seemed even more plausible. While Sherman's son was in the field, he noticed another dead cow lying at the base of a tree. The animal was severely disfigured. There was no blood in sight, and its rectum had been widened into an 18-inch deep hole. Again, the tree branches were broken, as if the cow had been sucked straight up and dropped right back down. Even if extraterrestrials were to blame, Sherman couldn't imagine why they were brutalizing cows. However, one investigative journalist from Idaho had an idea. Linda Moulton Howe had been working tirelessly to gather forensic data on the slaughters. When she showed the sophisticated incisions to pathologists, many had the same thought. No earthly predator was capable of such precision. The cuts were so clean, they seemed surgical. 
This made even more sense when Howe spoke to Judy Doherty, the Texas woman who claimed to be abducted. Doherty said while on that spaceship, she saw extraterrestrials experimenting on a calf. They even explained their process to her. Apparently, the extraterrestrials siphoned cattle onto their aircraft to dissect them, much like Sherman had suspected. The space surgeons used a razor-sharp photon beam, allowing them to work on a cellular level. Then, they placed the eyes and testicles into separate basins for further study. As far as Doherty was concerned, the ship was a floating laboratory. But Howe wanted to know why. So she turned her attention to Jean Robinson, a 36-year-old single mother from Springfield, Missouri, who also claimed to be abducted. Through hypnotic regression therapy, Robinson recalled some of her experience on board. She claimed these cows were part of a biochemical process needed for the alien species' survival. According to Robinson, the extraterrestrials' plan was to create a perfect race of human-alien hybrids. The reason they used bovine tissue was because of its genetic similarity to humans. And perhaps it was less risky to abduct a cow than a person. She explained it as a multi-step process. First, they'd harvest the animal tissue along with blood, sperm, and eggs, then study its DNA. Next, they'd examine the reproductive organs. If they were clear of pollutants, they'd extract them and use them in their genetic experiments. Amazingly, Robinson's story was later corroborated by high-level sources. Howe interviewed some government and ex-military officials who alleged the cattle experiments could be part of a larger operation, and apparently humans weren't off the table. According to one retired official, the government had been involved in a secret program since the 1940s. It was called the Truman Treaty. Named for President Harry Truman himself, the initiative was a supposed agreement between the government and an extraterrestrial race. It permitted them to abduct animals, and apparently humans, for blood, enzymes, and genetic material. In return, the government received access to alien technology, which was thousands of years ahead of our own. The treaty was allegedly an attempt at planetary peace between our two species. This might seem like a plot of a bad sci-fi movie, but it's not entirely fiction. In June 2021, U.S. intelligence agencies released a report admitting they've been studying UFOs, or as they now call them, unidentified aerial phenomena zipping through the sky. Even more disconcerting, they suggested they could be a threat to our national security. If aliens really were behind the mutilations, it could explain all those strange crafts seen over the farms. Between 1947 and 1969 alone, more than 12,000 UFOs were seen across the United States. That may be true, but it's possible some of those UAPs are just government technologies. For example, in the 1970s, the U.S. Navy launched their ocean surveillance system. 
This series of satellites, meant to track Soviet ships from low orbit, sent some Americans into a tizzy, believing they were alien spacecraft. Possibly, but in that 2021 report, the government admitted to examining 144 cases and could only confidently explain one of them, meaning even they don't know what's flying through our skies. But if you ask members of the scientific community, they'll likely argue there's not enough evidence extraterrestrials have been to Earth. Besides, using cattle DNA is a pretty roundabout way to create a human hybrid. Except domesticated cows and humans are 80% similar when it comes to DNA, so it's not terribly far-fetched. And you can't ignore the sophisticated incisions made on the animal carcasses. And because of that, I'm giving this theory a 3 out of 10. I'm not sold that aliens have been to our planet, let alone created a floating laboratory for cattle experimentations. For this theory, I'll go with a 2 out of 10. Satanic cults and experimenting aliens may seem like wild theories, but the truth could be much stranger. Some believe the suspect was a blood-sucking, vampiric creature hunting its prey, one that has yet to be spotted in the flesh. Coming up, the chupacabra drains humanity of its sanity. Now back to the story. While satanic cults and aliens both offered compelling possibilities, most farmers still blamed natural predators for their lost cattle. Coyotes or cougars were also known to eviscerate cows, sometimes leaving nothing but the bones. However, in the 1990s, a Caribbean island saw the emergence of a different type of beast, one who subsisted on a mostly liquid diet. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number three. The notorious chupacabra is behind the cattle slaughters. In August 1995, 30-year-old Madeline Tolentino moved her mother into a new home in Canobanas, Puerto Rico, a mostly rural area with gentle hills and rolling plains outside the city of San Juan. One afternoon, Madeline was looking out the window to the front yard when she noticed a vehicle parked on the street. The driver was wide-eyed, staring at something in front of him. Suddenly, he threw the car in reverse and backed away. Madeline assumed a person had been threatening the man, but then she saw a mysterious creature emerge from the corner of her mother's lawn. The beast was about four feet tall and stood on two long, skinny hind legs. Its arms were drawn back as if it was ready to attack. It was also furry with matted hair, but on its back was a row of reptilian spines. Even stranger, it twitched as it slowly moved across the lawn, as if guided by a remote control. Madeline's mother saw it too. She rushed to get help from a day laborer on the property. He sprang into action, fearlessly chasing the creature into the woods. He finally caught the animal, but as he held the thorny beast in his hands, it bared two giant fangs. Terrified, he released the monster, which took off deeper into the forest. The encounter was brief, but it wasn't the last one Madeline had with the beast. 
A year later, while out running errands, she was overcome by this incredibly strong odor. She compared it to the stench of insecticide. It was so pungent, her two-year-old son started gagging as well. When she looked across the street, Madeline saw the same monster that had been outside her mother's home the year prior. Its eyes lit up a bright orange as it stared her down. It wasn't long before Madeline learned others had seen the animal too. Some locals even witnessed the creature careen down from the sky and leap over treetops. Farmers in the area had been complaining about their goats turning up bloodless and mutilated. Small holes appeared to be drilled into the animals' necks, like puncture wounds. These strange murders inspired a local radio DJ to call the creature the Goat Sucker. In Spanish, that translated to El Chupacabra. Strangely, the Chupacabra seemed to have many different forms, depending on who you asked. Some reported seeing it with porcupine-like quills that doubled as wings. Others claimed it resembled a mutated vampire bat. If it was a vampire bat, that could make sense, especially if it swooped down from the sky as some witnesses claimed. Their tendency to guzzle blood is how they earned their name to begin with. By making a small incision with their fangs, they're able to siphon the liquid from their prey for more than 30 minutes before it wakes up. The mammals also thrive in warm, humid climates, so areas like Puerto Rico, as well as some regions of Mexico and the United States, could serve as potential areas for feasting. Whatever this creature was, it eventually moved on from just goats. In 1995, thousands of turkeys, dogs, and of course cattle were slaughtered across the fields of Puerto Rico. When ranchers found their slain animals, the only thing that remained was a corpse drained of its blood and a sulfur-like odor. This was also similar to what rancher Terry Sherman experienced on his Utah ranch. A strange sulfuric smell and an animal drained of its fluids. But these slaughterings weren't exclusive to the U.S. and Puerto Rico. A similar beast showed up in a small Mexican village in May 1996. There, ranchers formed vigilante groups to try and catch the beast in the act. Despite their search, the chupacabra left little evidence, aside from a trail of dead animals in its wake. In November of that year, the chupacabra seemed to move north. In Miami, Florida, 40 animals were slain. At the same time, bloodless goats and cattle littered the state of Texas. So perhaps the same beast was stalking American cattle during the wave of mutilations in the 60s and 70s. Unfortunately, the fabled chupacabra has yet to be confirmed. While farmers have claimed to see the beast as recently as 2022, the sneaky monster has never been caught, not even on film. But film might be what started this legend to begin with. Right before Madeline saw her first chupacabra, she watched the 1995 horror movie, Species. The flick featured an alien monster that looked a lot like the beast she described. It's possible Madeline simply imagined the creature altogether. Madeline might have let her imagination get the best of her, 
But that doesn't explain the dozens of other chupacabra sightings and corpses found in Mexico and the U.S. Plus, the bloodless goats in Puerto Rico bear resemblance to the slaughtered cattle. And you can't deny, there's a connection with that strange sulfuric smell that's consistent with both the chupacabra and the mutilations. I'll give this theory a 3 out of 10. But that doesn't explain the other marks, like the surgically precise cuts across the cow's bodies. No animal, even one as horrific as the chupacabra, could be responsible for that. I'll give this theory a 1 out of 10. That's fair. However, there is one other speculation that's important to note. In part one, we mentioned FBI agent Kenneth Rommel, who did a deep dive into the cattle mutilation case. After interviewing pathologists, veterinarians, and forensic scientists, he published his Operation Animal Mutilation Report in 1980. In it, Rommel argued the cattle were disfigured due to natural causes. While it was exciting to think that cults, aliens, or cryptids were skulking America's pastures, Rommel's findings were far more grounded. He raised interesting points about the power of suggestion and decomposition. So, a sheriff's department in Arkansas decided to perform their own experiment. They placed a dead cow in a field for 48 hours, and what they discovered could put the debate to rest. At the end of the two days, the corpse had bacterial bloating, which caused small incisions to form on its exterior, cuts that looked similar to the rancher's reports. Then, maggots ate the remainder of the animal's organs, giving its body a hollowed appearance. After pathologists examined the carcass, they believed scavengers had eaten the animal's remaining tissue, which could explain how external organs such as eyes and ears, went missing. And they revealed the lack of blood could be due to liver mortis. This occurs when the blood stops circulating and settles in certain parts of the body. Once it does, other areas appear to be void of the vital fluid. But if these mutilations are just a part of the circle of life, it's unclear why only some cows were affected. It also doesn't explain how mass groups of cattle drop dead at once, like they did on Kansas's Highway 81. And it still doesn't explain the strange sightings in the sky that seem to accompany these events. Today, mutilations still plague America's farmlands, and it seems there's no real end in sight. As science advances, perhaps we'll learn more about natural decomposition and the mysterious ways the body works. Or perhaps we'll finally make contact with another alien civilization. One that can provide all the answers to outer space, the underworld, and blood-sucking cryptids. For all we know, they could all be working in supernatural tandem. And cattle mutilations are just the tip of the iceberg. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. For more information on this topic, we found An Alien Harvest and Glimpses into Other Realities by Linda Moulton Howe particularly helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. 
Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, Freddie Rivera, and Carly Madden. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Drew Dougal, edited by Ben Caro and Lori Gottlieb, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Chelsea Wood, and produced by Bruce Katovich. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Conspiracy Theories.